0: While they're handing out Bibles, I'd like to catch you up a little bit. I, I'm Steve Larson. My wife, Connie, is on her way to Indiana for a biblical counseling con- conference, so she couldn't be here today. Uh, I just got back last Sunday from Nigeria and Niger. By the way, uh, Niger is French, so you don't pronounce it Niger unless you're uh, American. Okay. Oh, did you go to Niger? You know, No, it's Niger. Isn't that cooler? It just seems a lot... A lot cooler, cooler. yeah, a la couleur, (laughs) (laughs) and we had French fries when we went to uh, Indonesia. But uh, everybody speaks French there; it's really cool. So in Nigeria, if you could picture all of the leaders from all over the country—pastors, evangelists, lay leaders—there were over thirty-two hundred people there. They were expecting about twenty-eight hundred, and every seat. In the auditorium was filled, and then they had people four deep outside the auditorium where the windows were so they could participate in the conference. It it was amazing. And so God gave me the opportunity to speak into their lives and to encourage them with the work of evangelism. And this week, about a 1,000 of those 3,000 are going into a Muslim area to share the gospel with Muslim Christians. So it's, it's amazing. They're they're learning, and then they put their faith into action immediately. Next week, we went up to Niger. Uh, it's uh, just north of Nigeria, so we drove about 11 hours to get to Niger. And if you've ever been on African roads, you know that uh, it's actually great for weight loss. You know, you're, you're going like this, you know. So so uh, I unfortunately, it didn't work for me. But it, well, at least it was a uh, good idea. So up there, uh, we taught a Group of about 120 leaders from Niger. And what's cool, 8 to 5, they um, were learning how to share their faith and then how to follow up with people once they've come to Christ. And then at 5, after all day of teaching, they go out and they share their faith with Muslims in their neighborhood. And during that week, six Muslims came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so it's so cool. You guys, you just need to be encouraged because amazing things are happening all over the world. In Indonesia, which is the large, largest Muslim nation in the world, people are coming to Christ so fast that they're saying in 10 years, Indonesia will be a Christian nation. I This is crazy what's going on. And what's funny, the Muslims are getting really upset about this, so they're they're starting an ad campaign. They've been actually been running this for about a year. And they say, if a Christian comes up to you, don't talk to them because they will love you. <laughs> this is what the ad says. And don't go to their concerts because they'll play amazing rock music and you'll love the music. And they're doing that all to lure you to Christ, you know, and it and and the gospel and then. In the ads, they're saying, and don't listen to the gospel because they'll tell you that Jesus loves you and that he died for your sins. And so the Muslims are having this ad campaign that's basically sharing the gospel with other Muslims. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. But you guys, this is happening all over the world because Christians are simply taking their faith and living it. In other words, they they don't understand the idea of listening to a sermon and then not immediately putting that into life. And that's a little bit what I want to talk to you about Uh, today. uh, I was excited. Are we we on here? There we are. I was excited that uh, you guys are going through the Psalms. And as I looked at the Psalms, there was one Psalm that I've always avoided preaching on. And it's Psalm 119. And the reason is, Psalm 119 is longer than the book of Ephesians. And so, you know, I thought, okay, if I do a verse-by-verse exposition, we could be here till Tuesday, 176 verses. And so I've always kind of avoided that. But when Rob asked me, and by the way, he didn't ask me this morning, so he actually asked me last night at 10. No, just kidding. Um, but but I, uh, I actually chose this psalm. Because A, I've never preached on it, and B, even though there's a lot of Psalm 119 verses underlined, I've never really studied it as a, as a whole chapter. It's always been kind of mysterious to me. And as I dove into this Psalm, I begin to realize it is so amazing, and I'm praying today that this is going to shake you up. It's going to kind of call you out of your comfort zone and realize that God is in the business of radically transforming your life. Not 5%, not 10%, not 20%, but like 180 degrees. He wants to transform your life, your marriage, your family, your workplace, your neighborhood. He wants to transform everything around you. And how he's going to do that is through his word and through his Holy Spirit. Now, I've got three scriptures. And if you're taking notes, by the way, if you haven't used it to wrap your gum up, you still have an outline on your seat, okay? So that's what that's for. For you to take notes, because I'm a great believer that if you're taking notes and then you go home and you review it, the stuff actually goes deeper into your life. These, these scriptures all have something in common. They all present either or. Psalm 1. Either the world is going to influence your life and your thinking and your behavior, or God's word is going to influence it. It's not, you can't do both and in God's word. So the decision there is, do you want to be blessed by God or not? Luke six forty six through 49, the either or there is Jesus is saying, do you want to build your life on the sand? Then just come to God to church and don't do anything with it. Because people who hear God's word, but don't do anything, don't put it into practice, are like the fool who is building his house on the sand. So you can either have a life that is going to withstand the challenges of life, or you can have a life that's going to be blown away. It's either or. James one twenty one through 25, either or. Either you will just be a hearer of the word. And James describes a hearer as someone who, who is self-deceived. In other words, you're going to walk through life thinking that everything's okay, thinking that you're on the right path, and you're not going to discover till it's too late that you're on exactly the wrong path. Or you can be a doer of the Word, somebody who hears God's Word and then puts it into practice. And James says you're going to be blessed in everything you do. In other words, whenever you try to do something, God's going to be there behind you, pushing you forward, helping you to succeed in what it is you're setting out to do. So the question really is, how are you going to live? And my prayer is that you are going to become a Psalm 1, Luke 6, James 1 child of God. That your life has this remarkable, supernatural blessing of God that makes people look at you and say, I don't know what it is you have, but I want it. That's what I'm praying for. So let's talk about Psalm 119. Um, What I did is I actually filled out most of this for you because this is an overview of Psalm 119. It is an acrostic psalm, and what what I mean by that is there are sections of eight verses all through Psalm 119. Each one begins with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, what's crazy about this and what makes this so incredibly creative is the author of this psalm not only is the first one Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, but every verse in those first eight verses begins with the letter Aleph. So this is crazy poetry that he put together. And so there are 22 sections. There's one for each Hebrew letter. That's where the 176 verses comes up with. So what I did, this is is not... God's divisions. This is my divisions. I went through and I read Psalm 119 every day last week. And I just started writing, here's what I think each section is about. So you have these, but I don't want you to stick with this. What I'm hoping you do, will do this week is you will read Psalm 119 every day, and you will make your own list of titles of what each section is about. And if you do that, what's going to happen in your life, and I'll just share what happened last week. I read Psalm 119 on Monday. Hmm, that's pretty good. On Tuesday, wow, that's really interesting. On Wednesday, my goodness, this is powerful. On Thursday, wow, you know, and by every succeeding day, I'm seeing more and more just how powerful and practical and transformative God's word wants to be in my life if I will just allow it to do that. And so... The theme of Psalm 119 is the Word of God. Every verse in Psalm 119 except seven verses mentions the Word of God. So that's 169 verses that mention the Word of God and seven that don't. And of the seven that don't, two of them talk about the ways of God, which kind of sounds like the Word of God. So the whole chapter is overwhelmingly about God's Word. It's truth. It's power and the ministry that God's word wants to have in our lives. It really keys off of Psalm 19 in that if you remember Psalm 19, there are five words for the word of God. Well, Psalm 119 uses all of those five words, and then it adds three more. So there are eight different words that it uses for God's word. So, let's jump into Psalm 119. And what we're going to do, I'm just going to pick out three words huge themes in the Word of God from Psalm 119 that I think will really help you understand why it is so important for us to be building God's Word in our lives. First thing is, God's Word is true. It gives light and wisdom. If you've got your Bible, so let says go to Psalm 119. It's pretty near the middle of the Bible. So open your Bibles to the middle. Go to Psalm 119. And we want to look at verse 89, When I read this, I just went, this is amazing. The psalmist writes, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Now, we don't know who wrote Psalm 119. I'll tell you who I think wrote it. I think the prophet Jeremiah wrote Psalm 119. And the reason I think that is the context of Psalm 119 is there is a great time of personal and national turmoil going on in the life of this person boy does that make it kind of applicable for today have you ever seen so much national turmoil is going on right now i mean it is crazy well whoever wrote psalm 119 was right in the middle of this now here in the middle of all the craziness in his life and when you read psalm 119 you will see a lot of stuff going on he says forever O lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavenly so he has this anchor this stability in the middle of the craziness of life and you guys when you compare this with science you really see a, a difference in approach i'm old enough now i've seen things develop a little bit and if you go 20 years ago and you hear scientists talk and they say oh in the old days We thought this, but now we know this. And I don't know if you've observed how dogmatic, almost religiously dogmatic science has become. And they're very proud in what they know. But the thing is, you don't have to argue against it because in 20 years, they're going to say, oh, that, we thought we knew that. Now we know this. And this is a nature of science. And it's something I want to encourage you not to get overwhelmed and to think, oh, God's word is old hat. No. No. God's word is firmly fixed. You know, back in the switching of the 19th to the 20th century, in other words, from 1899 to 1900, scientists were so convinced that they had discovered everything there was to discover that they were recommending that they close the patent office. This is true. They were seriously saying, We know everything there is to know. And so it's stupid to keep the patent office open because everything that's been invented is been invented and there's no other need for patents. You know what the dominating scientific philosophy of that time was? It's something called eugenics. Eugenics is what led to Nazi Germany. Eugenics is basically the idea that we can improve the human race by let's call it what it is, selective breeding. In other words, we breed with the people we like and we kill the people we hate and then we'll have a better human race. This is what led to what, what Adolf Hitler called his final solution, which was to destroy not only Jews, but gypsies, anybody that didn't fit his ideal of the, of the supreme person. You contrast that with the word of God. You know, I can read a book that is over 4,000 years old, some parts of it, and I find truth and wisdom to guide my life. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to have you read a couple of other things. Number one is Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 11. Isaiah here speaks, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your thoughts, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the first thing that God is telling us is in my word, this is God speaking, I'm telling you things that are so high you could never discover them on your own. So you guys, the first thing when you're reading God's word, you are reading Revelation. Not the book of Revelation, but the concept of Revelation. Revelation is is God making known to us things that we could not otherwise know. This is so cool. But then God goes on and says something else about his word, which is really neat. He says, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So that concept he's, he's creating an analogy. He's saying, look, Water comes down, what does it do? It brings life. Now, Here's what he says about his word. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What God is saying is my word is going to accomplish its purpose in your life today. God's word wants to bring life into your life he wants to bring courage into your weakness. He wants to bring strength. He wants to encourage you today from his word, and his word is powerful enough to do that. Let's go on. David says, oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all of the day. I love this. Your commandment makes me wiser Than all my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. So there are three groups of people that the psalmist talks about: my enemies, my teachers, and the aged. Those are three people who are supposed to have a lot of smarts. All right. And the psalmist says, "Look, when I'm walking through life." I'm living with a wisdom that gives me an edge up on any of these groups of people. I want you to think about this. God is the creator of the universe. He made everything. He made you. Now, you might say nobody knows me better than me, but God says, actually, I know you better than you. I know what will bring satisfaction to your life. I know what will bring joy to your heart. I will know what will bring courage to your weakness. This God has written his word. And when you learn his word and you live according to his word, you're actually living with a wisdom that goes way beyond what anybody in this world could ever figure out. Because when I obey God's word, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but he does. And so as I walk with him, he actually gives me instruction, bearing in mind things that I don't know about myself. God's word keeps us from sin. It keeps us pure. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man or woman keep his or her way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Psalm 119.11 says, your word I have hid in my heart, or I have stored in my heart that I may not sin against you. You guys, when you're building God's word in your life, and this is especially important for those of you who are going through high school, you're getting ready to go to college. I don't know if you realize this, but the stats are that 50% of church young people abandon their faith within the first semester of college. That tells me that people have not been storing God's word in their heart. They've been attending church, but they haven't been internalizing it. But if you actually store God's word in your heart, what you're going to discover is it protects you against the stuff that's going to keep you, uh, keep you it's going to protect you from the stuff that's going to want to draw you away from the faith. The final thing is that God's word brings blessing. We've said that God's word is true. We've said that God's word is powerful. And now what we're saying is God's word brings blessing. Go to the first verse of Psalm 119. Psalm one nineteen one and 2. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe, in other words, they live according to his word, his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Guys, I started walking with Christ when I was about your age. How, how old are you guys? 13? I was 14. When I when I started walking with Christ, I was 14. There was a really old guy who was 41 years old, and he uh, he kind of challenged me to start building God's word in my life for myself, because I... I wasn't enjoying church. I wasn't enjoying Christian school. I I was sort of getting it stuffed down my throat, and I hated it. And he said, hey, learn it for yourself. And I said, but I'm bombarded with it. He says, it's different when you learn it for yourself. So when I was 14, I started journaling. I started studying God's word for myself, and my life began to transform. I mean, 180 degrees. Everything changed about me. And what I've discovered, I last week, I celebrated my birthday. I am, I can't believe it, 66 years old. I'm an old man. Yeah. But you know, as I look back over my life, I have one advantage over a lot of you guys who are younger. Number one, everything sounds more impressive. Well, I've been in ministry for 33 years. Ooh, I've been married for 41 years. Wow. You know, it's kind of passing time is really what that indicates. But What is awesome is as I look back over my life, I realize that I have lived an incredibly blessed life. Every step of the way. Now, blessing does not mean that life has been easy. Life has been incredibly difficult. We go through very deep valleys in this world. I've gone through times of depression, anxiety, frustration, anger, sadness, disappointment tragedy. If you've hung around life a little bit, you've all experienced that kind of stuff, right? Blessing does not mean you don't have those bad things in your life. It means that you have an undergirding strength that carries you through those things. And you get on the other side and you realize, wow, God carried me through this. He got me through it. And that is the blessing of life. And that's what I want for you guys. I want for you to be able to realize right now that you are blessed. I want for you guys who are in junior high to just explode with thanksgiving to God, to actually be so excited about what God is doing that you can't help but thank God. I want you guys to see God's word changing you and actually see the results of, wow, I'm a different person. One of the greatest things that happened in my life, our our first seven years, I think I've shared this with you, were very tough between me and Connie. And when I began to let God's word direct me as a husband, rather than worrying about what Connie was doing, rather than worrying about what was going on in our lives, when I began to say, okay, God, I'm going to obey your word as a husband. I'm going to begin to do what God tells me to do as a husband. Wow. Our marriage was transformed, and all of a sudden, Connie became a better wife. <laughs> See, I'd been praying for that my whole life. God, change Connie. Make her a good <laughs> wife. God would never answer that prayer request. But when I said, God, change me, and I began to look into God's word about what he wanted to do, and then I begin to begin to act on that and live that in my life, our marriage just became amazing. So we have been married forty-one years, and you know what? We enjoy each other now more than we ever have in our lives. So I'm sixty-six. You know what my next goal is? I want to become Marty. <laughs> well, how old is Marty? Is he, he's in his eighties, right? Is he are you there, Marty? How old are you, Marty? How old are you? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Marty is my hero because he's 87, and if you know anything about Marty, you know that circumstantially, he's had a tough life. But if you look at Marty's countenance, and if you look at and hear his testimony, you hear a man who is filled with praise and thanksgiving to God? That is what it means to be blessed. And you guys, this world cannot bless you. This world cannot bless you. But when you let God's word do its work in your life, you can be blessed. Psalm one forty, Psalm one nineteen forty nine through fifty one. The psalmist says, remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. I love that. He says, God, remember your word that you spoke to me that actually in this lousy time gave me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. I love that word revive. You know, when, when somebody has a heart attack and they're laying there and somebody, you know, beating on his chest and breathing into it, they are trying to revive that person, bring life back into that person. Eleven times in Psalm 119, it talks about the reviving power of the word of God. I've exper- have you experienced that? I've experienced that. I, I remember even a month ago, I, I woke up and, it was, and, and was going through the morning. It was about 11 a.m., and I, I was so discouraged. I was just getting into that self-pity, life stinks kind of mentality, you know? And I realized I haven't spent any time in God's Word. And so I asked forgiveness. I said, sorry, God. I kind of just blew it. And I want to spend some time with you right now, and so I got into God's word, I did some journaling, and I mean, without in about an hour, I was revived. The joy had returned, and I was sensing God is still he's not through with me yet, he's still going to use me, he's still faithful, and I went from being discouraged and powerless and ready to give up to being revived and ready to do whatever God wanted me to do, all in the space of about an hour, just because of God's word. Verse uh, 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Boy, Let that sink in. He, he was going through such deep times, whoever wrote this. He's saying, God, if your word hadn't been undergirding me, I would have died. I would have died because things were so tough. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. You guys, the power of God to bless you when you're afraid to give your courage, when you're weak to give you strength, when you're discouraged to give you joy, when you don't know what to do to give you clarity. I mean, it's just crazy all of the things that God's word will do. So, what do we do with this? I want to share with you some ideas. Principle number one. Pick the best time of your day and give it to God for his word to come into your life. Now, When I was younger, there was a a little pamphlet or a little booklet that came out. And it was the perfect American booklet for Christians, for American Christians. The title of the book was Seven Minutes with God. In other words, you don't have to spend a lot of time in God's word. I can get you blessed in seven minutes. And I thought, that is the stupidest thing I've ever read in my life. (laughs) Yeah, we don't want to take time for God's word to sink in and saturate and change our life. We just want seven minutes. We want instant oatmeal, we want instant coffee, and we want instant God. And it's crazy, you guys. It takes time for God's word to come in and actually change you. So here's what I'm suggesting. Um, TV is fairly worthless. Are we agreed on that? Netflix is better, but <laughs> even Netflix is fairly worthless. And yet, so many of us will devote two, three hours a night. And, and you're not doing anything. You're just passing time or you're killing time. A lot of you are going to uh, go home and watch a football game. You're going you're gonna to spend three to four hours watching people you don't know who need a lot of rest get a lot of exercise when you need a lot of exercise and you're sitting on your behind watching them exercise. Oh, Okay, ladies, I heard that, amen. Okay, so you ladies have your own vices, right? But here's what I'm suggesting. DVR the football game. You see, you can watch a four-hour game in about two hours anyway. And besides, you can wait until the end, and if the team you were rooting for loses, you don't have to watch it at all. I mean, why discourage yourself? (laughs) I did that last year with the Lakers. I would DVR their games, and I would only watch when they won. So I only had to watch seven games the whole year. It It was great. I saved myself so much time. But pick out, what is the best time of the day when you're the most alert, when you're the most alive, when your mind is working the best? And make a covenant. If you're in a family, make a covenant with the family. Hey, we're going to turn off the computer. We're going to turn off the TV. I know some of you are going, oh, my gosh. We're going to put our phones on do not disturb. And we're going to give this hour to God. And we're going to study. We're going to meditate. We're going to memorize God's word. Is, is God's worth, word worth an hour a day? Okay, I, You know, one of you believed that. That was really cool. Was, a lot of you were, going, ah. You see, the minute I start saying that, you're all saying, we don't have time to do that. Why? because we'll miss Survivor or we'll miss Lost. And of course, those are long gone, but I, I don't even know what people are watching nowadays. But And that's not because I'm good. It's just because I'm in other countries. So I don't have the opportunity to watch. But the point is, God's word, if you gave him an hour a night, would so radically transform your life, you would never want to go back. But what I'm saying is it takes time. You can't do seven minutes with God and expect him to change your life. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, going to church doesn't cut it. Going to Wednesday night Bible studies doesn't cut it. Those, those are nice, but it's where you take time yourself to dig into God's word and in prayer say, God, help me understand how I need to change by your word. So what do you do? Uh Number one, I'm a great believer in journaling. And as your guy's age, that's when I started journaling. And it it's fun to read. I still have those journals from 1964. Some of you are saying, I wasn't even born then. You know, but I was, and I was 14 years old, and I have my journals. And it's fun to read a ninth grade journal. God, you are awesome! You know, God, I didn't study for this test, but you helped me anyway. And uh, so those are the kind of things that are going through a ninth grader's mind. And but I have, I have all of my journals, and so I have my own personal book of Psalms. It's my personal record of how God has been faithful to me all the years. And so I would recommend that you get a journal. It doesn't have to be fancy, just a spiral-bound thing. And, and as you are journaling, first you want to write down what God is teaching you. And I want to give you a real simple way to work through God's Word in a way that will change your life. I read each chapter three times. Like, let's say, like right now, I'm going through 1 Corinthians. And so, starting this week, I read 1 Corinthians 5, and, but, and I also read 1 Corinthians 4 for the third time. And then the next day, I read 1 Corinthians 5, and I just focused on that alone. And then the next day, I read 1 Corinthians 5 again, and then I start reading 1 Corinthians 6. So I'm kind of edging my way through. And what's amazing is as you read this and you're journaling, each day you discover that God is giving you new insights through his word. And you're learning things. Then when you hit something, oh my gosh, that's gold. That's your signal from the Holy Spirit, I need to commit myself to memorizing that passage. And so over the years, I've memorized hundreds of different passages uh, John 15, 1-11, the one on abiding in Christ. You know that one? I, that's that's my anchor point. Psalm 1. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 2-11. There, there are scriptures all through that I've committed to memory. And every time when I memorize that, God breaks down another part of me that isn't in conformity to his son Jesus. And so I see more and more Jesus being formed in me. I'm doing things today that I never dreamed I would have done. I actually, last week, picked up the dishes for my wife. That, that is remarkable. When you know me, I eat dinner and I run off to the next thing. I'm not very good at finishing jobs. And little things where God is just moving me to serve my wife that I never would have even dreamed about years ago. Now you say, boy, you're pathetic. And you're right, I am pathetic. But even as pathetic as I am, God is changing me. Because as I, as I journal, not only do I journal what God is teaching me, but I journal, how do you want me to obey this in my marriage, in my family, in the different areas of my life? And when you start asking those questions, it, it gets scary because the Holy Spirit actually speaks to you. And when you start taking serious time to let God's word bubble down to your heart, that's when you begin to sense the power of the Holy spirit because the Holy spirit wrote the word of God. And he's the one who helps you understand the word of God. And he's the one who strengthens you to obey the word of God. You guys, if, if you have never done this, your life will move from ordinary to extraordinary. And it all starts when you give God's word its chance to do its work in your life. So my prayer for you is that you will actually go home and think about how do I need to readjust my schedule as a Christian? How do we need to readjust our family schedule as Christians? How do we need to take the time so that the amazing truth and power of God's word begins to transform us? Because when you do you'll never go back. It's it's too much fun. Too much fun to be living according to God's word. Final verse. Paul wrote and he said, "Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Let it have time to soak you." And when you do that, a couple of things are going to happen, Paul says. Number 1, you'll be teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you are working and being with other people, you are going to be an influencer. You're actually going to make a difference in in their lives. And this gets fun when you're in high school or junior high school and you're talking with somebody and they go, wow, you really made a difference in my life. That is just so cool for that to happen. And the second thing that will be happening is you'll be singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. So that's my prayer. This week, if you want to start this off, make Psalm 119 your meditation this week. Read the entire psalm every day. It's 176 verses. What are you talking about? Yes. It doesn't take that long. And then you have your journal and write down the verses that God jumps out at you. If you look at my Psalm 119, it's funny. Practically every verse is underlined. So underlining actually becomes kind of worthless at that point if you've (laughs) underlined everything. But... So be discreet in your underlining uh, because you'll get overexcited and you'll do too much, like me. Uh, But just every day this week, read Psalm 119. If you're a family, do it as a fam. It'd be so fun. Hey, what did you get out of Psalm 119 tonight? And you talk about it together, and it guides your conversation. And all of a sudden, Jesus is just growing more and more to the center of your relationship. It gets really fun. So that's the message today, and and my prayer is real simple. That you will be the kind of person who digs into God's word for yourself, lets it change you, and then as it changes you, you become a change agent in the lives of other people around you. So Father, I pray that you'd help us grab a hold of this message and, and build it into our lives. And I pray right now, Lord, that as we celebrate this amazing feast we call communion, that you would uh, take us and change us because of the time we spend with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.